Okay, we're recording now. Okay. What's the first topic? Uh, the first topic is the we're we're it, 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 the intro, and and then we'll explain. Here we go. Welcome to Curmudgeon's Corner for Saturday, February 4th, 2023. It is just before 20 UTC as we're starting to record this. Uh, I'm Sam Minter. Yvonne Bo is not here this week. Uh, he had a little thing called a birthday, and I guess he was doing celebrations and blah, 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 whatever he was going to do. Uh, so I'm here doing the show, um, and you know... Sometimes I go out and get and recruit co-hosts and do things. Once again, this time, I just didn't have the energy and didn't feel like it. So here's what's going to happen. We are going to do a but first thing. I've got a couple things I want to talk about. It's just going to be me. Then I'm going to have a couple topics. It's going to be you. Well, you're you're Alex, my son. I don't get a but first. My my 13-year-old son, Alex, is here. (laughs) And he's going to be participating in parts. The first two segments, though, the butt first and the newsy stuff where I'm going to talk about a couple of things in the news, um, yeah, are probably going to be mostly me. And then what? You said that you do the entire podcast with me instead of just the ending. If I was awake before noon and guess... What? <laughs> um, I said that the first couple topics will be things that you know you would be less interested in. Then, then we're <laughs> then we're ending it with uh, media, where we're Alex and I will go through a few things uh, that I have watched or read recently. Um, I offered to do only things that I had watched or read with him, ignoring the ones that I had done without him. But he said no. So we're going to do five of those at the end. Anyway, knowing that this is a solo show that's a little bit different than usual, I know solo. Well, so no, not solo. A duo show? Anyway, knowing that it's me and my son, as opposed to me and Yvonne, I know some of you that does not appeal to. And you will say goodbye. And that is fine. What? Um, What We'll do a regular show next week. Um, however, if, uh, any of you are, wait, no, presumably a bunch of you will stick around though. And if so, enjoy presumably. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows? Um, anyway, and also if it sounds a little bit different, it's because my son and I are in the same room. So I have the microphone set up to try to catch both of us a little bit better. Ah, so you'll get more background noise and stuff. You hear my chair, hear my chair wiggling. And I do have like I do have filters I can use that take out some of those background noises, but I've gone back and forth about using them. Uh, it, it, the, it makes it sound like you know I'm actually in a place. I've got a chair. I don't know. 
Anyway, um, doesn't matter. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about in this But First segment is that this week, for the first time since the pandemic, I went into the office for actual meetings. <gasps> you know, I'd mentioned before, I, a couple times I'd gone in to like swap out a laptop and things like that, where I didn't actually interact with any human being. They like laid laid the replacement laptops out on a shelf. You went and you grabbed it and you, you never even saw, well, I saw humans. There were other people around. I had to badge in and there was a security person. But, you know, this time was the first time that I actually went in to have a meeting specifically to interact with people. I had a, a group I'm working with that's based out of Germany, was visiting Seattle. So I went in uh, both Wednesday and Thursday for meetings with them, followed by lunch with them. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know this is old hat to lots of you who've returned back to normal, like a long time ago. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it, it was nice to see people in person. I will admit it. It was nice to have like those meetings in person. And, uh, and there are a couple factors for, for it. Um, one, like even the meeting itself it is a little bit easier to stay focused on what's happening in the room when it's not like your stuff, like directly, like it's easy. Like if I'm doing um, uh, a, a, an online meeting and I'm the one driving the meeting, obviously I'm engaged at all times and I know what's going on and I'm paying attention. But if it's one of those meetings where other people are presenting whatever they're talking about, um, it's slightly harder to zone out and not pay attention to what's in the meeting. You know, it, it, it all depends on what's being talked about before and how much it really impacts you and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, I, it definitely, uh, it makes a difference, a little bit of a difference. Not a huge difference. I'm not saying it's night and day, but like uh, uh, th there were definitely places where I was thinking to myself, you know, if I was at home right now, I could pick up my phone and scroll through Mastodon or something because what's going on right now isn't really something I need to know the details of. And I can tune back in when I hear something that like matters to me. But when you're in the room, it's harder to do that. So I, you know, continued to nod along instead, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, no, but mo most of the meetings I was actually, it, it's the reason I'm bothering to go in to have the meeting is that this is actually a meeting with people that I'm working with on a project and I need to know the stuff. So mo most of the time I just would have been engaged regardless, but you got to see them in person. You got to shake their hands. We went to lunch and we chatted about other stuff and, you know, got to have sort of the personal connection that you really don't get as much from the online meetings. And I think what we've learned over the last couple of years is how much you can do without that connection. Um, and that for lots of stuff, uh, you don't need as much of that. Um, but, you know, it's still nice occasionally. Now, having said that, would I want to do this on a regular basis? No, absolutely not. Like, I was reminded of what the commute was like uh, in both directions. I was reminded of, you know, having to 
deal with, I don't know, like, no, no, I absolutely would not want to do this on a regular basis. I, when, when there is something in particular where it would be useful or helpful to, to, to do it, absolutely. And do I see some value in occasionally doing it just so you know the people that you're talking to and have, uh, you know, have the sense of them as more of a person than just the thing? Sure. You know, yeah, every once in a while, it, you know, like quarterly would be fine, you know, for that kind of thing. Or again, if you have a, a type of meeting where it would be very useful to like collaborate on a whiteboard or something. Yes, there are online tools for that kind of stuff, but it's not the same. Um, so yes, when there's a specific reason or periodically just for for team building or whatever, yeah. Now, I, and I want to be careful there. I would not want to go for something that was just for team building. Like, I do not want to go to random social events with coworkers. End of story. I I just don't like you know. Hey, everybody, we're gonna we're gonna go to a park and do a thing, and we're we're gonna go skiing together or what? Blah blah blah. blah. No, no, I I don't want to do any of that kind of stuff. But I don't mind every once in a while having like an in person meeting just for the sake of letting everybody see themselves in, 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 in person, I guess. And it's, but it should still be a purpose. Like it should be like, Hey, this is where we're going to review the, the quarterly doc on something, or we're going to go over, we're going to work on the annual plan of what we're going to do next year. There should still be a work purpose to it. Like the idea of something with only social purpose just would aggravate me and make me upset. It's like the, the mandatory fun. I don't like mandatory fun. Um, but if you go to a meeting and then at the end of the meeting, it's lunchtime. And so you go to lunch together. That's fine. That's fine. fine. Anyway, um, I will note one thing, uh, on the way into the parking garage at the place, I noticed that there was a a, a sign posted. It was just a regular piece of paper printed out and put on the thing that said absolutely no Chevy volts allowed in the parking area at all, whatever. And they referred to like something about recent news reports about them catching on fire or something and go talk to your dealer. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I should have taken a picture of it. I didn't, but I was just amused. There's a big angry sign saying no Chevy volts. Anyway. Um, that was item number one. Do you have any thoughts on that before I move on to item number two, Alex? I think you are stupid. I am stupid. Why am I stupid? Because you are always stupid. Okay, good job. Um, next thing I wanted to mention is, uh, you know, last year at one point, uh, you guys may remember, my wife's laptop was stolen from her car in our driveway. Wait a minute. Don't I get the next butt first? Do you have a butt first? Yes. What um, What's your butt first? What's my butt first? You can do your butt first. Yeah, okay. I thought so. Okay. Uh, last year sometime, uh, my... Was it last year? Yeah, I think it was like... Yes. Some 
time last last year. I don't. It was it was a while back. Anyway, anyway, it's just legend. Maybe it was almost two years ago now, wasn't it? Or was it like more? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Two years ago. No, no, it was it was it in twenty it was it at the end of twenty twenty one? I think it was at the end of twenty twenty one. No. No? It's the end of twenty twenty two. Oh. Anyway, whatever. My my wife's laptop got stolen from her car in the driveway. Uh she'd apparently left it unlocked. Um and That's I usual. As she, as never, as never. Yeah, as, as never. never. Yeah, yeah, she never, never does, does that. that. Anyway, um, so, and I, I was, we were a little surprised by it because, yeah, I know, like. You were surprised. Yeah, well. A few months earlier, I had written part of a story as part of a story challenge. And I was referenced how easy it was to steal from us. Ah, right. Anyway. The point is, like, we, we get, like, Amazon deliveries all the time, but we've never had, like, porch prowler difficulties with people. Yeah, yeah. We, we've never had a package disappear after living here, like, over a decade. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, we've had packages accidentally delivered to the neighbors, but that's different. We haven't had stuff stolen Maybe from here. they were delivered here. Then the neighbors stole them and pretended they were delivered. Yes, yes, I'm sure that's it. Um, anyway, as a result of this, um, and we got back some of the stuff, but not all of the stuff. We didn't get back the laptop, blah, 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 blah. But as a result of this, my dad for my birthday was asking, hey, you know, do you need anything? Do you want anything? Blah, blah, blah. Because normally he's, when I, our birthdays are like uh, a week and a half apart or something. Um, I can't do the math exactly. It's somewhere. Anyway, okay, less than a week apart. Our birthdays are less than a week apart. Um, and in recent years, when I ask, well, what do you want for your birthday? Do you want anything? It's like, no, 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 we've got too much stuff. We're downsizing. We don't want any more stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I, we, we really have sort of tamped down the gift giving for birthdays in both directions. But this year he wanted something. He wanted like a, a new Kindle device. And I'm like, okay. So he's like, well, I need to give you something of comparable price. And so uh, I asked him because of the theft from our driveway, I said, Hey, how about a couple of those like ring cameras? Uh, they come, you can get them in a two pack and we'll put one like on our driveway and one on our porch. And he's like, sure, I'll get you that. So he got us that. And so since, yes, it would be broken by now. Oh, yes. Put it so it's pointed at and can see the driveway, not actually <gasps> like put the camera on the driveway because we would run over it. You are absolutely right. Um, anyway, the, uh, like Yes. Um, so we've had them set up since then. And for the most part, it gets us coming and going. It gets um, package deliveries, occasionally like a cat walking by or you know, something like that. Um, and so and, and routine stuff, nothing super interesting. Last night, um, Alex, Brandy, and myself uh, were sitting in the living room 
had just finished watching something on TV and you know, the alert came off that there was motion in the driveway and I'm like, okay, let's take a look. And since we were all down in the living room on our projector, I like, you know, open it up on my app on my phone, but then put the picture up on the, on the projector screen. And lo and behold, in our driveway, there were three people. Um, and we watched them for a minute and they, they sort of wandered in and out of our driveway. We're looking around and then they left. And then we went, um, outside after they'd gone for a minute or two, just to check things out to get some stuff out of my wife's car. Her, her car was locked. Uh, but then while I was out there, I realized, you know, Hey, um, there was sound on this thing. Like I, it's annoying when you bring up the, and I guess I understand why, but when you bring up the, the, the picture on the app by default, it's muted and you have to hit a button to hear the sound. You can also talk to them. We considered like doing a, a thing, but like I, I have the, 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 the driveway camera is mounted kind of high up and the speaker's not actually that loud. So, um, we didn't do that, but so I got back in. And I turned on the I, I turned on the replay, and this time I turned on the sound, and lo and behold, these three people in the driveway were busy talking about our cameras and like what the color of the light on the camera meant, and were they watching us, and and it has night vision, and blah blah blah, and you know they were like, watch out for the camera, blah blah blah, and then and then eventually they went away. So the bottom line of all of this is they were definitely out prowling our house looking for stuff to do, like either to check the cars, break into the cars, break into the house, look for just stuff around, uh, like outside that we might have left outside to take. They were definitely casing the place. And I think they were casing our neighbors a little bit too, because uh, uh, they would they would dip out past where our driveway camera could see, but that's the area that belongs to our neighbors. And uh, so, yeah, um, these cameras that my dad gave me, you know, like n there was nothing I don't like you could not recognize a face on these pictures. You know, they, they were a little bit far away from the camera. They were they, they were wearing hoods. Well, one of them was wearing a hood. One of them wasn't. But like it was it was blurry. It was night vision. You couldn't like it, there's nothing here where you could identify a person and say, you know, oh, they were the ones staking out our house. But they actually noticed the cameras and were apparently scared away by the cameras. They were like, I wonder if they're, they, they were talking about, are we, are, you know, could, could we be watching them live? Uh, would there be a recording? Does the red dot mean it's live or does it, is it always red? You know, they were having this kind of conversation in the yard um, and then, and, and talking about like, you know, watch out for the camera and stuff. And then they left. So I guess they work. I mean, like a fake camera would have worked just as well for that. Cause they were just scared away, but like we actually were watching them, which was kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's my story. You were there too, Alex, your turn. What, what, what do you, what did you think of the, that? He is being silent now. Okay, well, that's the end of our butt first segment, I think. Unless you have something else. Have you thought of something else to butt first? Okay, we're going to take our first break, 
And uh, then we will be back with more, maybe. Maybe. Do, do, do! This podcast is sponsored by AlexMZilla.com. AlexMZilla is great. It's on YouTube. And it has lots of fun videos. Alex Emsla is awesome and great. I love his videos, and they are obviously better than Curmudgeon's Corner. Well, they're funnier. They're more interesting. And frankly, he seems at least a little smarter than either of the hosts of Curmudgeon's Corner. Honestly, it's ridiculous how endlessly talented and phenomenal Alex Emsla is. That's how great his YouTube channel is. A-L-E-X-M-X-E-L-A dot com. Yes. Do, do, do! And we're back. Back, 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 back. Alex looks like he's falling asleep. Anyway... Uh, continuing, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is the is Twitter again. Um, the latest thing from Elon, uh, we talked a week or two ago about how they shut down all the third-party clients, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, since then, by the way, I've, you know, just like I said I would, essentially, uh, I'm 100% Mastodon now. I've only opened Twitter by accident with one exception where I actually went into Twitter to change my um, my profile to explicitly say, go to Mastodon, I'm over here on Mastodon. Um, that's it. Uh, otherwise, I have not intentionally gone to Twitter. There have been a couple of tweets, though, uh, that were automated tweets. Uh, so specifically, I have a uh, an if-then-then if this, then that, there you go, I-F-T-T-T, if this, then that uh, thing set up to when there is a new episode of the podcast to automatically post to Facebook and Twitter. And so there's a, just a once a week automated tweet saying new Curmudgeon's Corner episode, whatever. Um, and that relates to what Elon is doing right now, which they announced that they would be shutting off free access to the Twitter API, um, I think on February 9th. Um, but basically that means any kind of automation that was built off Twitter uh, is going to fail um, unless you start paying. And they have not fully announced what the pricing will be. Uh, Elon tweeted that he thought $100 a month would be fine. There's some old enterprise pricing that was up on Twitter already for like, if you were using Twitter API at super high volume, there were already plans available that you could, you could do that started at $150 a month and went up from there. Um, but the thing is, all of the various utilities that interact with Twitter um, are, were using this API. Now, undoubtedly, there were some that were at the high, super high volume that were already paying, but that actually is very rare. Most of the things are, uh, you know, they're 
utilities like the if then then that thing I was using to publish the the tweets about the podcast. Um, there is no chance that's going to continue to work. Uh, they will sh- they they will shut that off because nobody's going to pay for that. Like um, the there are utilities to sort of monitor your followers and see like when you gain or lose followers. There are things like that. Um, some of them charge money to customers. Some of them do not. But most of them are not going to be viable, and certainly the free ones are not going to be viable. There are tons of bots on Twitter that just do cute things, like uh, do a, a, a cute quote once an hour, or a picture of a cute animal once an hour, or that automatically respond to certain types of tweets and 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 interact with people that way. Um, there, there's all kinds of tools and utilities and things that, um, are not financially viable if you have to pay a hundred dollars a month to access an API. Uh, you know, there's some people who might have considered it at like $10 a month or something. Uh, but it would be a money losing endeavor anyway, because these things are out there for fun. Most of them, like some of them got big enough that they could like charge advertising and they were actually making a little bit of money off them. But by far, most of them are just fun little things people threw together and because they could, because there was an API to do it. And all of those things are going away. Almost all of them. Uh, In my own particular case, in addition to the if, then, then that, I have a tool that I use to, uh, that on a, regular basis just pulled how many followers various people of note on the on on Twitter had so like I was tracking you know Barack Obama and 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 Donald Trump and a bunch of politicians some journalists and also just some friends and people I knew uh what you know and myself uh how we were doing in terms of followers and graphing that over time and blah 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 um nope sorry that's going to disappear and go poof and not work anymore. Um, I think I have to check. Did I, did I, I think I, did I use the API or am I scraping the stupid HTML? If I'm scraping the HTML, it'll still work, but either way, I'm going to shut that stuff off anyway. And also I had, uh, when, when election graphs was active and I know, I know I'm late. I, I will work on election and graphs again soon and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, when, when it is up and running and going in its normal mode, um, whenever I add a new poll to the database, it was automatically tweeting that. And when states would change status, it would tweet that. And when I would make a blog post, it would tweet that. I have Wiki of the Day set up to automatically tweet whenever there's a new Wiki of the Day of, the, of either popular, featured, or random, uh, all three of them. So three, three tweets a day to, to that uh, Twitter account. Um, you know, so I, all of this stuff I'm going to turn off like this weekend, one of my tasks is to make sure all of those are turned off. Cause you know, look, I, I fully expect they'll just stop working, but given how Twitter is right now, I would not be surprised if they let it keep working and then tried to bill you. So I'm actually going to make sure that every Twitter integration I have uh, is turned off completely before the 9th, just on the off chance they, they try to pull something like that. 
you know, and they probably won't. They probably would just turn off and, and they would just start failing. But I'm just going to turn. I'm not going to take the chance. All of the Twitter inter- integrations are going to go away. Oh, yeah, I have another one on election graphs where it in the sidebar of the website, it showed the recent tweets from the election graphs, the two election graphs Twitter accounts that I had set up. Uh, I'm going to pull those off. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to turn all these off. Now, some of them I'm going to try to recreate on Mastodon. Um, some of them I won't bother. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, this is another thing. This is where, you know, they, they shut down the third party clients a couple weeks ago, pissed off a whole bunch of power users. And it is a small, small slice. Most people use Twitter by the official mechanisms, but the people they did shut off were all power users contributing content and being active users and seeing lots of, you know, now they didn't see ads, (laughs) but, you know, they contributed content uh, and, you know, they're getting rid of that. And then they, they basically, you know, any developer who was left doing non-client stuff on Twitter They've just told them to go screw themselves. Um, and so anybody doing fun, happy little things uh, is done. Maybe if you're doing something serious that you have an actual thought about monetizing, you might still consider it. But even there, how do you trust that this platform continues to work? You know, it, it's just, it's so arbitrary and the changes are, it's just, like you'd have to be crazy to intentionally go build something where you were, especially something you were trying to monetize that you wanted to make a business out of because Elon could cut it all out from under you at any moment. So why would you do that? You're going to go look somewhere else. You're going to go spend your time doing something else. Um, And certainly the people who were just doing fun little things, they're not going to be able to now. And I, I saw even like in education, there were people that were like, hey, I I had people make little Twitter bots as their introductory programming activities, you know, and they always had fun with that and blah, blah, blah. Um, also, uh, slightly more seriously, people have put out that this is going to make almost impossible the kind of research certain academic folks were doing with Twitter content. Um, in terms of being able to research the spread of disinformation and the um, the uh, 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 effectiveness of virality, and um, you know, and also just sort of getting ideas of what was being talked about and how things were spreading, and there were people who tracked, um, uh, you know tracked all kinds of things. (laughs) I don't even know the full range of things that uh, people were doing this, but Twitter was a huge corpus of hell. People have used it to train machine learning stuff. You know, all of that's going to either be shut down or become very, very expensive. Uh, And yeah, this is just yet another thing where Elon is, the thought process must be, hey, these people are getting this for free. 
that's ridiculous. We shouldn't let anybody have anything for free. Let's charge them for it. But the result is going to be the richness of the content on Twitter diminishes yet further. Lots of people loved those stupid little bots that like, you know, I followed like a couple dozen of them. Like there was, there was one that, uh, you know, was slowly counting out the prime numbers, you know, uh, there, there are other ones that post random colors. There's, I followed several of the ones that posted cute animals. Um, there was one that, uh, posted little poetic descriptions of planets. I followed that. Um, there was one that it, it just did lots, lots and lots and lots of cute little fun bots. Um, oh, and forget the fun ones for a second. There were also informational ones, ones that would automatically retweet like, you know, or not, retweet's the wrong word there, but they would automatically follow certain data sources and tweet out useful information about traffic or police activity or weather or whatever, or earthquakes, you know, all, all of this kind of stuff where um, there were others that did uh, that scraped like um, court dockets um, or the legislative calendar or all kinds of other things where they would just automatically notice when there was a change or an update and post a little, a little tweet telling you, Hey, something just happened. Um, and almost all of those are going to go away. Uh, and frankly, that's one of the things that I've found that I've been missing on Mastodon so far is that there's some of those things, but very few compared to what was on Twitter. Um, well, the Twitter ones are about to die. So I'm hoping like a bunch of them come over to Mast Mastodon, to Mastodon. Uh, but who knows? Uh, anyway, I'm kind of annoyed because I'm going to have to take time dealing with this and pulling all the Twitter stuff out of my stuff, but also just the, the sheer stupidity of it all. Cause the, 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 the whatever little tiny amount Elon gets from people who actually decide to continue and pay exorbitant prices for this API uh, will be completely undone by the further lessening of what people could get on Twitter anyway. And, and the gamble is that maybe there's a dip for that and it'll come back after time. Like people will care about other things. They'll, they'll miss the bots, but it won't actually affect your overall traffic, blah, blah, blah. We'll see, but it, it's just further degradation of what Twitter used to be. Um, and at this point, I only find out about that things through other people complaining about it. Like I said, I haven't, aside from that one thing to change my profile, I have not been there intentionally um, in a long time now. Uh, and even when, it, and when it's unintentional, it's me accidentally clicking a, a link that's to Twitter, realizing I'm there and closing it as fast as I can. So anyway. Do, do, do. In the time between when this show was recorded and the time when it was edited, Elon Musk tweeted that because of developer feedback to the previous announcement, they would retain a read-only free tier for what he called good bots. Some Twitter bots may still continue using this. But many have already moved or shut down and every time Elon does something like this a good number of people leave and don't come back, and the experience is further degraded for those who stay. As for Sam and his bots, Sam says, too late asshole. Do do do. Okay, uh, one more of these type of topics before we take another break and then do media stuff. 
the stupid Chinese balloon. The cable news went nuts over this stupid balloon on Friday. Um, I had it on in the background while I was doing work. And it was like nonstop coverage. Now, this, you know, the, the Chinese say it's just a regular weather balloon and it went off course and now it's over the United States. The U.S. government says, no, no, it's, it's a spy balloon. It's a Chinese spy balloon. And, okay, that's fine. Here's the thing. First of all, the the intelligence agencies and people don't seem to be particularly worried about this thing. Now, maybe they should be, but and just are trying to play it cool. I don't know, but it seems like they're not particularly worried. And but of course, the media has to like go nuts because oh my god, spy balloon, blah blah blah. But look. Everybody has spy satellites. They're going over all the time. Maybe the balloon can get slightly better information. I don't know. But it's fundamentally the same thing. It's just a little lower. It's, I mean, unless somebody actually thought this thing, like, was weaponized or something like that, it's not doing anything the satellites aren't doing except maybe a little better. And it moves slowly, unlike a satellite that moves quickly. I mean, the satellites have very predictable order orbits for the most part. They can slightly be retasked and moved around. But, but we know where the satellites are too. But like this thing moves really slowly. If it's about to come over your military base, you cover up what you need to do and you move on. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's... <laughs> Uh, and it's visible from the ground. So it's not even stealth or anything. You know, I, I have a Facebook friend of mine who just posted a picture they took of it from their house. I'm not sure exactly where they live, obviously somewhere in the eastern part of the United States at this point. Because last I heard, like, they first spotted this thing over Montana. Last report I had was over Missouri or something, but it's heading east, so it's further than that. They're now talking about shooting it down once it gets over the ocean again. Um, cause obviously like if anything, okay, what you'd want to do is figure out a way to bring it down securely so that you could capture the stuff and do an examination and understand exactly what it was, blah, 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 blah. You don't actually want to blow it up or anything. You want to actually like get it. <laughs> you want to retrieve this balloon if you at all can. Um, but you know, the, the, the Biden administration is basically saying, hey, we're keeping an eye on it. We're watching it. There's no danger for anybody. Um, Biden apparently wanted to shoot it down, but his military advised him against it because, like, there might be damage on the ground. Now, I guess that depends where it was. I mean, where it started over Montana is, like, not exactly the most highly populated place in the world. I kind of feel like you could figure out how to shoot it down and not worry about the debris hitting anybody, um, or at least have those chances be highly, highly unlikely. 
Now, as it moves east, that becomes harder because it's more pop, more, more densely populated. But I don't know. But it, 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 they advised him not to shoot it down. So fine. They're just observe it, watch over. Um, and now I guess they're talk. They they are talking about trying to get it once it's back over the ocean, and they don't have to worry about it hitting anybody when it falls. But now apparently the Republicans are freaking out that we're not being more aggressive about it, and that we should have shot it out, the, shot it down the moment we saw it, and blah blah blah, and get those Chinese balloons and apparently there's another one in latin america and and the official government report also said look this has happened before it's not really a big deal i guess the difference is this time it's lower than they normally are so it's more visible and people on the ground were going to be noticing it and that's why they brought it up but if this thing had been you know significantly higher maybe they there would not even be a news story about it I don't know. I think the whole thing seems intensely overblown to me uh, because like, okay, they're the Chinese are spying on us. Does anybody think we're not spying on them? That we're not spying on like every country in the freaking world and every country is spying on us. And I understand the sort of way they think about this kind of thing is Yes, everybody does it, but you're not supposed to be caught. And so once you're caught, you can make a sort of big deal about it. But come on, that's stupid. I don't know. Anyway, it, it, it feels like much ado about nothing and something where it's going to be the story for a couple of days and then it's not. You know, I, I could be wrong. Like, you know, if, if the thing ends up being actually being militarized and like falls somewhere and explodes or does an EMP and knocks out electrical service or something. Okay. Maybe that would be something to talk about, but at the moment, not really, you know, I don't know. I, it just, it just seems like all the massive coverage is just, completely overblown. And so of course I've spent time talking about it. I've spent more more time than it deserves. Okay. With all that, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, it'll be time to talk about media. Here we go. I got books, I got movies, I got stuff. Back after this. This is a break, oh yes, this is a break. This is a break, cause no one gave me any suggestions. I told you, I told you, I warned you, I warned you. So, this is a break. This is a wonderful break, a wonderful break. Yes, indeed, this is a break. This is a break in the middle of Curmudge's Corner. Yes, this is a break. Yes, yes, this is a break, 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 yes, 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 this is a break, yes, this is a break, 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 yes, it is a break, and now, and now, and now, and now the break is over. And the break is over, and now we were going to do media, and I was going to do this with Alex, but Alex has, was frustrated by me telling him not to, like, fiddle with stuff, making noise while I was recording those first parts. And so he decided that he was done and he walked several feet away 
and lay down in the hallway. I don't know if he's asleep or not. He's not answering me, but he's also hungry. We haven't had food yet. So, and, 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 and Brandy's coming home from the grocery store in moments. And so I think we're going to pause and we're going to get some food. And then, then we'll try to do that again a little bit later. Once everybody's ready to go, we got, we got coming up the following, a book, History of Lewis County, Kentucky, a movie, Man of Steel, another book, Reign of Terror, a movie, Annie Hall, and finally a movie short, Mater and the Ghost Light. That's what we'll be talking about today. Anyway, uh, back in just as I won't make you listen to a whole other break, but back in just as I'll play some sort of sound effect. Back in just a few. Back in just a few seconds. Boo, boo, boo. No, no, this isn't a boo, boo, boo. This is a whatever. Ah, we'll be back. Right, get, not back. Hey, just, just, just. We'll, we'll do the thing in a second. Boom, and here we are. Um, Hi, I'm back. Uh, Alex is back. He's no longer lying down in the hallway. You know, the sound is only coming out one of the ears. It's very annoying. I'm sorry. We're both in the same room. I don't need headphones. Well, you will if you want to hear the outro at the end of the show. Yeah, I'll put them on then. Okay, so anyway, before I start talking about the five media things that we're going to talk about, I did want to mention that Can during you be the quieter, you're distracted. No, no, I can't be quieter because that's the whole point of what we're doing. Anyway, it has only been a few seconds for you, but it has been a few hours for us, and during that time frame, uh, the U.S. shot down that Canadian. No. It's not a Canadian balloon. It's a Chinese balloon. The 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 U.S. shot it down uh, over uh, over the Atlantic Ocean near Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, anyway, it's shot down. The Chinese are complaining about it, saying they shouldn't have, yeah, whatever, active aggression, blah, blah. And so we'll see where we go from here. But the whole thing is stupid. I still maintain, unless it's, you know, I don't know. I, I, the whole thing is stupid. Like the, the the Chinese would allow it that we would be all worked up about it. I think the Biden administration response is actually pretty reasonable. They waited until it was in a safe place. Then they shot it down. Fine. But like all the hand wringing about it and wall to wall coverage was a bit much. Anyway, we'll see what happens with that. <sighs> time to start the time to, 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 to time to talk. Not Tark. Time to talk oh, okay. about books I, and oh, yeah. movies. Can I talk about Book of My Own? That was probably mentioned in a previous show because of how extraordinary it was finding it. You can briefly talk about this book and give a review, I guess. Okay, so the book I read, I am reading, is called The Alex Amazola Book 2. Right. Dad, what do you remember about the Alex Amazola book two? That it got lost for a very long time, like multiple years, and I found it in a bin in the garage finally after I'd already gotten to the point where I was resigned to the fact that it was probably gone forever. But no, nope, we found you never, never said that to me. 
Well, he I said the chances of it being gone forever were very, very slim to me. Well, <laughs> yes. Dad! <laughs> Stop. And, and, and that turned out to be right. Because my, my basic thought was that I would never throw this away. Alex would never throw this away. Everybody else would recognize it as a thing not to be thrown away. But we'd been looking for it for years and it hadn't turned up. But we did indeed find it in a bin in the garage. So what do you have to say about it, Alex? What do you remember about this story? Nothing at all. Except I presume it involves you and Miley and me and Mom and Amy. Because okay. most of your stories do. How about this? What is happening in this scene right here on page 21? Uh, there's something with a green outline with spots on the top and the bottom being black. Is it an amoeba? No. Oh, I forgot about this. It's not an amoeba, though. But, um... Yeah, um. Why don't you read the page? You read these two pages. These two pages. Yes. I will read these yes. two pages and, and then, then describe we. Describe what happened. Then we will move on then, to other books then and movies. describe what happened right here. I, I, I don't. Read the pages that okay. describe what happened here. Yeah, there, there are pictures here as well as the words. Okay. Mm -hmm. Reading the words on these two pages. They were walking in the desert, and obviously they left the castle, and they found Dot's castle, and Miley went ahead of us into the castle. Dad said, who knows what type of curses could be in there? Amy and Alex and Mom said, right. Surprise, question mark yelled. I put your healing book in the curse, and here is a new healing thing. It will heal good that is damaged, and it will hurt evil at any time. You just shine it on evil or good. Use it right now to heal Miley. And Miley died, so you can test it on her. Okay, and the picture has a dead Miley with everybody else standing around, some of some of whom have weapons and swords and shields, and some don't, I guess. And that, that's it. Miley's dead. Yes. Miley's dead just so that we can test the healing thing. Yes. Okay. Exactly. And the page is a little, yeah, it's coming out a little bit. The book is delicate. Alex wrote this, like, I don't know, what, five years ago? I didn't write anything. Well, you dictated it, and other people wrote the words yes. down. But it was, like, five or six years ago? Yes. Yeah, you were like, I don't know. You're what are you now? Thirteen. Yes. He's he's thirteen now. So he was probably six when this. No. Seven. Yes, it was at least seven because this book had not been written as of when I was six. Okay. So now, the first thing it is a book I completed on August ninth, twenty twenty two. called The History of Lewis County, Kentucky, written in 1912. Now you may ask, why, why, Sam, would you be reading A History of Lewis County, Kentucky from 1912? Well, it, it's because one of my ancestors, when I was doing genealogy research, uh, was from there, and one of the sources I found referenced this book. So I was like, ah, I'll put the book on my list. 
So now let me tell you before I get to, I, I have up uh, a section that is actually about some of my ancestors here, and I'm going to read some of it out loud to you guys. But this book was one that was, became, was available on Kindle, but obviously was just, you know, somebody ran the real book through OCR uh, without doing any actual editing on it like to actually make sure it was right. So it was just a straight up OCR, the book, throw it online, done, next. Nobody reading through it, nobody making sure the words were right. So all over the place in this, reading this book, are words that just mess up the letters. Like, And it's obvious things like, um, like maybe an, uh, an H would be transformed into an LN. And you can sort of see that if you stuck an L and an N together, they kind of make an H. And there, there are things like that throughout the book. It was very distracting, very hard to do. Uh, watch. Uh, you know, formatting was like, you know, th- there are clearly places where some formatting would have helped. Also, of course, it's, it's a 1912 book to begin with. So, you know the history only goes so far. And it's also clearly one of these things where somebody who was into this stuff compiled a lot of things, uh, you know, heading up to 1912 and they're just disparate combinations of things they got from all kinds of sources. There's what? And he um, didn't mention something Uh, about Alexander's book too, but, but I'm right in the middle of it. Okay. So, do you know how the Alex on the Zoo book two ends? No. Apparently something with blue horses. Yes, horses. Yes. There's a page with a picture of a bunch of horses. And Miley. And Miley. And there are supposed to be people riding these horses and Miley. But there's a problem. Nobody ever drew them. So the reason why I stopped working on this book was I lost the specific crayon used to draw the characters. Oh. This, it was that specific shade of brown. And by the time I found that crayon, I had lost the book. Okay. So, back to the history of Lewis County, Kentucky. Um, anyway, there were lots of sections that were just like, hey, here's all the things the county council did in 1877. And, like, lots of them were were just, um, you know, mo- you know, hey. No, foodie, not yet. Alex just ran away. I am going to finish talking about the history of Lewis County, Kentucky, and then we'll pick it up again. Anyway, uh, there's you know just lots of like property records and uh, you know, person A sold to person B, or the county contracted with somebody to build a road and all this kind of stuff. Um, and occasionally there'd be a little bit about one or another of the families there. So the bottom line on this, I, I will give it a... Booty. I, dude. Okay. He, he suddenly has English muffins. Okay. the In terms of thumbs up, thumbs down, basically, thumbs down, unless, unless you are specifically researching this county or some of the families who live there. Isn't that the only reason you would ever actually 
want to read it for most normal people. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying this doesn't hold up as just like a book that would be fun to read for a normal person. Isn't that obvious? It's a reference book for people who are studying this particular thing um, and, and you know, or, or researching it or whatever. No one, I, I, I bet you this thing, this thing was published in 1912 and was made available on Kindle, like, I don't know, 10 years ago. I don't know, within the last 10 years. And it's probably relatively hard to get a print copy. I would bet you, I am probably the first one to read this thing cover to cover in 100 years. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are probably other people who have referenced this book and looked at certain sections and pulled certain... But I actually read the damn thing from beginning to end, and I can't imagine that many people have done that in the last 100 years, uh, 110 years even. But, um, you know, and, and to be honest, even with me, like, you know, it, it's it's hard to... It's hard to keep your attention on something like this. So, like, my retention is, like, zero. Could I tell you about much of anything that happened in the book? No, not really. Um, but, you know, it's kind of interesting. And, you know, the, there were, out of this entire thing, there may be, like, a couple pages that actually have to do with anything with my ancestors. So I will read you a little bit about the... the you know, one of those. I'm not even going to read the whole thing. There are several pages here, and it's, and there, there are other sections of the book that mention them in passing, but this seems to be the longest one, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll read a couple paragraphs. George W. Stamper. That's, that's one of my ancestors. And the W stands for Washington, by the way. It's George Washington Stamper. Anyway, George W. Stamper. And this is taken from Johnson's History of Kentucky and Kentuckians. So this content isn't even like unique and written for this book. It was pulled from somewhere else. Vigor, enterprise, and persistency. These are the qualities which make for success. And these are the characteristics which have dominated the career of George W. Stamper, who through his own efforts, built the ladder by which he has climbed to affluence. He has been identified with farming, blacksmithing, merchandising, lumbering, and banking. And in each of these enterprises, his success has been on a parity with his well-directed endeavors. He has also been an important factor in connection with public utilities. And as a citizen, he holds a high place in the confidence and esteem of his fellowmen. Quote, George Washington Stamper was born on a farm in Lewis County, Kentucky, on the 26th of December, 1850, and he is a son of George W. and Catherine Dreyer Stamper, the former of whom was a native of North Carolina, and the latter of Morgan, <clears throat> and the <coughs> and the latter of Morgan County, Kentucky. John Stamper, grandfather of him, whose name in initiates this review was born, reared, and married in North Carolina, and in the early 20s, he emigrated to Kentucky, locating on the Kentucky River in Wolf County, where he engaged in farming. Jet ski? You know, everyone has to make noise here. You know, what for the days when there was silence? Um, okay, uh, just a little bit more of this. He and his wife, whose maiden name was Sally Stamper, and who was a cousin of her husband, raised a family of 10 children, most of whom were born in Kentucky. The father of George W. Jr. 
was the firstborn, and he was an infant at the time of his parents' removal to the Bluegrass State. When he was 15 years of age and the family home was established in Carter County, and there he grew to manhood, married, and in 1845 engaged in agricultural pursuits on a farm near Olive Hill, Lewis County. He was very industrious, an excellent farmer and businessman, and in due time, he accumulated a competency. And then there's more. He opened a store, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let, let, let me just check because uh, I want to make sure and tell you, like, who these people are related to me. Not that anyone cares, but, you know. Um, okay, so here's the chain to George Washington Stamper. Um, my father, I, I'm Samuel Antonio Minter. My father is William Maynard Minter. Um, his mother, wait, did I go too far? Far for Oh, oh, right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, my father, I'm Samuel Antonio Minter. Minter? Minter? Can't even say my own name. I am Samuel Antonio Minter. My father was William Maynard Minter. His mother was Mary Sue Wooten. Her mother was Maud May, Maud May Rayburn. And her mother was Mary Alice Stamper. And Mary Alice Stamper's father was George Washington Stamper that we were talking about here, whose father was James W. Stamper and whose mother was Sarah Stamper. And yes, those are both named Stamper. And yes, I believe they were cousins. I don't have that fully fleshed out on the little chart I'm looking at right now. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he did marry his cousin. Yeah, so um, it happened. You know, I've got, you know, as I've figured out like these like things, I've, I've found at least a couple places where their cousins married each other. There's also a lot of other rumors about this guy, about the, you know, um, <sighs> John Stamper, like, here's a quote for you. This is now not from this book, from the, but from some of the other stuff I did. Uh, a story among his, John Stamper's descendants is that he and his wife, Sarah, were cousins. It's probably true, but we do not know whether they were first cousins. One story has that John was the offspring of one of William Stamper's sisters, possibly Joanna, and he had a daughter, blah, 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 blah. blah. A lot of stuff. Uh, some researchers say it was John Reeves Stamper, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, there, there are some other possibilities that there's an adoption here. There were rumors of an American Indian, specifically Cherokee connection, but there's been absolutely no documentary proof of that beyond the family stories. And I've seen at least some people say that they've got DNA tests at this point that prove that that was not true ever. Um, yeah. So, the, and, and there's one, I, I forget if it's John or George or one of these stampers who there's apparently evidence that he went around to a whole bunch of different places and used different names at different places, claimed to be different things at different places, claimed different fraternity at the different places. And it seems possible that that person was just going around sort of being a con man and, you know, making up different stories about his history. So it's hard to tell what's true. Anyway, 
this is why I read the book. Uh, and, you know, it has a couple sections about him and maybe I'll add a little bit more information from this book into the, into my little wiki. Uh, I've got a genealogy section at wiki.abelsmay.com or more likely I won't get around to it, but yeah, it, no normal person would pick this book up and read it. And no normal person would even pick this book up and look for sections of it. The only reason to do this is if you are researching the history of this county or of some family who lived there. That's it. So as a general recommendation, I give it a thumbs down. So isn't that exciting, Alex? It was good for what it was meant to be. I guess it was. I mean, it's... it's so thumbs up. Well, I guess so. Yes. I mean... It's like saying... A lawnmower is a bad invention because it doesn't fix your roof. You are kind of right. I mean, and and I have given like, it, as other examples, you know, there's times in the past that I've done things like writ, writ, written, read a math textbook. And like math textbooks are not meant to be entertaining. And at the end of the textbook, I'm like, this was really boring. <laughs> It was hard to read. Like it, I had to struggle to turn the page because I was not excited by what's coming next, you know. But as you say, it was not really meant for that. It, it's not a novel. It's not, a, you know. It's. But I am very glad that whoever put this together in 1912 did so. It's got all kinds of useful information. It's got. You know, and, and you know, I read the part about like my family member, but like there's, there's other did bits. Did you of, read the entire thing? I did read the whole thing, but I, what, I, I meant I read that part out loud just now on the podcast. But like, if within the rest of you know, it's got like you know when the county was settled and when they first set up the the first uh, town hall, and then when they moved to the second town hall, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, a couple notes that are interesting. They sort of just skimmed right past the civil war like there were a couple mentions to the war but like there wasn't a lot of talk about exactly what was going on and which what sides people were on and that kind of stuff they just sort of like oh, yeah we don't talk about that let's move on um and uh yeah um anyway time for the next thing and Alex is again gone. He's just running in and out of here. And the next one, I I really should have my wife here for this because I watched this one with her. Uh, I was up in Canada for my sister's wedding in August, and uh, you know we watched this on Netflix or whatever at the bed and breakfast that we were staying at. Andrew, you can't take care of that yourself. Mm -mm. Uh, we'll we'll do another one of those little sound effect things, and then come back with. I'll do the sound effect while you go get the. No, no, go. no. We're, we're not gonna go. have. It, no. no, no. I'm gonna add that. <laughs> Subscribe to Alex Emsla five five six three.
Okay, anyway, I am back. I got it. I got him his melatonin. I also, while I was gone, no, not melatonin, Benadryl, whatever, whatever, some medicine that, yeah, he was all like congested and snotty and stuff. Anyway, while my wife and I were at my sister's wedding in Canada, we watched on Netflix the movie Man of Steel from 2013, which was the reboot of Superman for the DC extended universe. Um, and it was the, it, it was the first thing to set off that new universe. And then they've, they've done other movies and stuff. And apparently now they're going to reboot it again or do something. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I did go downstairs just then. And I encountered my wife and asked her if she wanted to come up and talk about man of steel. And she said, what? I said, movie, we watched it while we were in Canada. And she's like, okay. I'm like, it's Superman. It's like, you know, she's like, I don't remember it at all. So there you go. That's your review. And, you know, I'll say, I'll say a little bit more than that, but I will start out with a thumbs down. I did not like this movie at all. It's the reboot of Superman, so they're covering some of the same ground from the 1970s Superman movies, Superman 1 and Superman 2. Let's not talk about Superman 3 and 4, but it was it was it covered some of the same ground like Superman coming to Earth, the battling with General Zod, blah blah blah. And here's the thing. The 1970s versions were better in almost every single way that I can tell. I mean, except, okay, fine. The special effects have evolved in some. Blah, blah, blah. But honestly, actually, I thought that was a detriment. It was so centered around the effects and so much, like even, and when there were, when there were battles, it didn't feel like humans battling and I, okay fine they're supposed to be aliens whatever but it didn't feel like people it didn't feel real it felt very cgi it felt very animated it did not feel like it had life in it and even the sort of character moments when they were presumably actually acting and it wasn't just a a huge CD, cgi battle between superheroes to me just fell flat and you know it's like what are you talking about? we're talking about man of steel which yeah. you have not seen yeah what happened so i'm talking about how bad it is okay, okay yeah. and i'm comparing it to the 1970s versions of these movies and 
bottom line is like there are so many moments that are parallel with those original movies. So the comparison is inevitable if you've watched them both. And in almost every case, I'm like, the 70s version did it better. The 70s version did it better. And then this version, like, threw in so much more, like, alien stuff. Like, the it really emphasized the Superman is from space stuff a lot more. And I, I, I did not like it at all. At every moment, I was like, oh, my God, is it over yet? And oh, also, it's really long. It is really long. It's 143 minutes. So that's almost two and a half hours. And there is so much in there that feels like filler. I mean, maybe it would have been okay if you'd cut it to like under two hours. I don't know. But even then, it always felt like they were emphasizing the wrong things. And it's just, yeah. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. I said that at the beginning while you were out of the room. Thumbs down, thumbs down. I did not like it. Um, all fingers down. All fingers down. I mean, I guess it's a generic superhero movie, blah, blah, blah. It's, uh, but... I, I was I was singularly unimpressed, and y y I if if you offered me the opportunity to see this again, I would run the other way. I just no. No, and, and you I don't be too scared to run the other way. You'd be like, okay. Oh yeah, you're probably. I I I'm, I may be convinced. It'd be like, maybe I should give it another chance. Maybe I was just being unfair. I guess I'll see it again because you really want to. But luckily, I don't think anybody around me is going to really want to watch it again. And, hey, I, and I know some people... Next time we roll an eight, can we watch that? Uh, maybe I will put it on for Alex and go in and out of the room to see so that it doesn't count as me watching, but he gets to watch this horrible movie. It is in the same universe. We, we watched... We did watch the first movie in the Batman side of the DC universe from the same reboot era. Um, and it was okay, but I just did not like this one. I don't know. Batman I, I, in that movie was stupid. But now, will I probably watch other things from the DC Extended Universe? Yeah, I'm sure I will. Like, th this thing has a sequel. Like, yeah, uh, Batman ends up... Because everyone knows sequels always get better. Yes. Well, like, I think Batman versus Superman is next in this series, too. And, like, because what happens is, like, at, at a portion of this movie, the one I was talking about, Man of Steel, um, the, the, yeah, the very next one is Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice is the, is the next one in this series. And, oh, and actually, I guess the Batman we watched was in a different Batman sequence. So it's not one of these. But, um, the, the, I guess the premise for the next movie is that in this movie, when Superman was battling Zod in Metropolis, uh, they destroyed a whole bunch of buildings and Bruce Wayne was in one of those buildings and had people he loved killed by the collapse of the building that was just collateral damage from, uh, the battle that you know, Superman and Zod were having. And by the way, that's another thing that really bugged me about this one. There was all this damaging going on and Superman didn't seem to care. 
He was busy fighting his little enemy and he didn't care how much of the city was destroyed. Like Superman, the character sort of that, that we know and at least are lukewarm towards, if not love. Um, one of his defining characteristics is how much he cares about people. And he would be very upset and very concerned about like the random people dying around him, you know, <laughs> you know, and I believe even in the, in the Superman movies from the 1970s, they had battles and there were civilians being killed and stuff, but Superman was always trying to like save them and stuff. The Superman in this movie just didn't care. He was too busy fighting the other guy. And, you know, and the, the original 1970s Superman 2, Neil before Zod, you can't beat that version of it. So whatever. This was, yeah, this is blah. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Okay, next up. Everything down. Next up is um, a 2021 book called Reign of Terror. Um, by Spencer Ackerman. <laughs> this is a nonfiction book. Uh, subtitle is How the 9-11 Era Destabilized America and Produced Trump. Uh, and it basically tries to draw a narrative that starts at 9-11, starts at how multiple administrations from George W. Bush onward dealt with the global war of terror and on terror, not of terror. Global war on terror. Um, although the, of terror, it's not a bad name either. But anyway, um, and and sort of tried to tie it all together, sort of the how during that process, the Republicans changed how they were looking at things, um, how the, the, the sort of nativist, um, Christianist, I found this on the web. Thank you. Uh, how the sort of nativist, Christianist uh, voices started taking over the GOP during that time period, but also how the sort of national security state uh, has a, con a continuing thread throughout this whole time period that didn't really change all that much when administrations changed. Um it was fine. I'll give it a thumb sideways. Um, basically, it's the story of how the all of this starting from 9-11, but moving forward with the, the war in Iraq and various other developments, it just are, gave an opportunity to shape sort of the authoritarian impulse and the nativist impulses. And so, and there's nothing in it that I found... Like, obviously, okay, this is complete BS and you can ignore it. Uh, a lot of it seemed to have a ring of truth, but it also seemed like it's concentrating on sort of one facet of things and making it seem like it's a bigger picture. Like, it seems like an oversimplification and a place where you're trying to sort of ascribe a lot of what happened to one aspect of things, particularly sort of the foreign policy-ish side of things and how that catalyzed like, you know, anti-Muslim feelings and, and 
all this other stuff. And it seems like there's a lot of other stuff going on too. Uh, I mean, the, the domestic racial factors, and he did talk a little bit about that, but it's, it's sort of, I, I feel like within the realm it talked about, I have no strong objections to it, but I feel like there's a lot left out as well. Um, I, you know, I gave it a thumb sideways. Uh, it was worth reading anyway. Like if you're into to some of the sort of recent history kinds of things, I give, I think it gives a good perspective. Uh, it just seemed incomplete. And maybe, maybe it's too much to ask for it to be really like to cover everything because there's just too much going on. Like you, you have to sort of pick an angle at it. And, uh, but um, he does try to talk about how things morphed into the overall culture war that you see now. So it, it was interesting. It was interesting. So I'm thumb sideways, but maybe a little bit up from sideways. It was okay. It was okay. So a- any thoughts on this book that you did not read, Alex? Yeah. What? Draw. I, I have no idea what a. that was about. Draw. Okie doke. Next up. And Alex did watch this one with me. Are you ready, Alex? He's not answering me. I watched Annie Hall, the 1977 Woody Allen movie. And. I hated it. I hated it from beginning to end. Thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down. I watched this and I'm like, how were people so excited about Woody Allen and his movies and all this kind of stuff? This is, this is just awful. It, it It's, it's slow moving. I don't, didn't find the humor funny at all. Um, all of the characters are characters that, are not appealing to me in any way. Like they're just like, what an awful person. If I was in a room with them, I'd be like counting the minutes till I could escape. Uh, for every single character in the movie, I found nobody I could sympathize with. It was just like, what? they're all, they're all jerks. They're all assholes. What, what the hell? Um, and, and again, you know, obviously Woody Allen himself has been increasingly problematic and you know there's the whole thing with him ending up marrying his stepdaughter or whatever and blah 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 and there's all kinds of creepy things about Woody Allen that we know at this point but even taking all that off the table I, I, I look at this and like you know people liked this Here's the critical response section of Wikipedia. Annie Hall met with widespread critical acclaim upon its release with major praise directed towards the film's script and the performances of Alan and Keaton. The Guardian called the film Alan's most closely focused and daring film to date. The New York Times preferred Annie Hall to his previous movie, whatever. Uh, And... Variety said it's Alan's most three-dimensional film to date. Three-dimensional. With the, the co-stars becoming they the contemporary equivalent. It's not really three-dimensional. He just meant like the characters had depth. But I, no, they didn't. 
Yes, they did. They were clearly three-dimensional shapes. Well, yes, yes, but, like, I don't know. Like, it, it, I, I don't know. I know some. I know lots of people love these movies, like Woody Allen in general, and this movie in specific. Uh, Roger Ebert added it to his great movies list, and and let, let me see. Did I actually like? Is this from? Let me let me let me, let me just check something. Let, let me just check my movie backlog. Um, Annie Hall is indeed here. Because I was going through my American Film Institute list of the best hundred movies of the first hundred years of cinema, and this was number 31 on the list. It baffles my mind. Like, and I I know I've said before a lot of 70s movies don't do it for me, but they were mostly 70s movies of the gritty, dark, whatever kind. This was a 70s comedy. And I was it comedy? It was supposed I think it's supposed to be a comedy. You know, it, it was a comedy. That, That's how bad of a comedy it is. You can't even tell it's a comedy. Let me read the description. Oh, it, it, this is better. It's a satirical romantic comedy drama, is how a they classify comedy it. Drama. Anyway, it really wasn't dramatic or comedy. It was cold. No, it was it wasn't particularly anything. It was just like slow and and maybe it's just the whole seventies I don't understand. It's not just like the dark seventies movies. It's just the entire nineteen seventies are just like baffling me when I look back at it. Like I don't like I could watch forties movies, movies from the nineteen forties, and I'm like, this is cool. This is interesting. This really holds up. I relate to it. And then I bring up. This thing, and, and I just no, I and and maybe it's just I don't get what I don't get Woody Allen. Maybe that's all it is. I don't know. It is it, anyway. Not not happy with Woody Allen, like or, or let's just let's leave it at this specific movie. Annie Hall, thumbs down. I don't understand why anyone would like it. Um. And I don't know if you like it, maybe tell me why you like it. You know, the, all the ways to contact us will be at the end, but you know, taste is taste though. Like it's not like somebody can convince me it's actually good. It's just like, I have a viscerally negative reaction to it. Other people might really love it and relate to it and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. Ah, okay. Next. And there's only one... Le- oh, wait. What did you think of Annie Hall? You watched Annie Hall with me. Those yellow captions were their thoughts. What? There were yellow captions with their thoughts? Probably. I don't even remember at this point. Anything else about Annie Hall, Alex? It was boring. Yes, it was boring. I agree. But, but the pasta was yummy. There was pasta? Did yeah. we did we eat pasta while we were watching it? Yeah, okay. halfway through the movie, in that place with all of the chairs and tables and the people. What? Mom made us pasta, and we started eating it, and it was yummy. Okay. 
And we've got one more to talk about that this was not the next one in order, but Alex said we have to talk about it. So there, there are three other things, I think, in between Allie, Allie, Annie Hall and this. But we watched Mater and the Ghost Light, which is a short film that was released after the original Cars in 2006. Mater and the Ghost Light was actually included, I believe, in the DVD release later that same year. So uh, it takes the character of Mater and the other folks from um, Radiator Springs, which is where Cars, the Pixar movie, is set. And basically, the, the all of the other cars in town besides Mater play a trick on Mater um, where they try to get him scared about this ghost light thing. And it's a short movie. It's like 10 minutes long or something. It was seven. Seven minutes? It was seven minutes long? Okay. And uh, that's about it. It was, I, I mean, it was amusing. It's fine. You know, it's a short. It's seven minutes. You laugh a little bit. What? I, I, thumbs up. If you like the Cars universe in Pixar, so than, watch this one. So better than those Superman movies. Yes. I would rather watch Mater and the Ghost Light 10 times in a row. Or let's go further than that. Repeat Mater and the Ghost Light however long it would take to be the same length as that stupid Man of Steel movie. I would rather watch that straight through in a row without taking my eyes off the screen than watching Man of Steel again. Okay, maybe not quite. Like, what? I mean, you'd have to like watch that. Like, what's what's uh, what did we say the other one was? Two hundred and forty-three minutes or something. How many times? Is that? Why did, where's my where's my this phone? Isn't your phone? I am so confused. But let's let's just do the calculation real quick. Two hundred and forty-three divided by seven. I would have to watch it thirty-four times, maybe thirty-five, depending on the seconds and stuff like. <sighs> You know, I, I like Mater and the Ghost Light, but watching it 35 times in a row might drive me a little insane. So, yeah, I'll give it a thumbs up, but not 35 times in a row thumbs up. I, I would rather watch Man of Steel again than that. Or even Annie Hall. Yeah. Any other thoughts about Mater and the Ghost Light, Mr. Alex Amsla, Smush? Forgetting something. Five four two eight. Five five six three. Five five six three. See, the Al YouTube opened up a few months ago to let you claim your like tag or whatever for your channel, like and 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 Alex got the email about it. I got the email about it. I told Alex, hey, you might want to do something about it. He didn't do anything about it. A month or two later, I look at it and I'm like, you know, we really should do that. And by that time, somebody else had Alex Emsela. And so what did you end up? Specifically, Alex Malik said Alex Emsela. Alex Malik had yes. Alex Emsela. Anyway, so what did you end up with? Alex Emsela what? Or was it Alex Emsela what? Alex Emsela. Five five six three. Yeah. So, you know, we still have alexemsla.com, of course. It's a redirect. But if you want to go directly on YouTube, you have to go to youtube.com slash alexemsla. What's the number? 
What does it start with? Five. Then? Four. Seven. Three? I have no idea. First number. Five. Second number. Two? No. Three? No. One? No. Four? No. Five? Yes. Five, five? Third number. Six? Yes. Fourth? Three. And that is? Five, five, six, three. Good job. So it's Alex Emsel of 5563. So youtube.com slash Alex Emsel of 5563. And it pisses me off no end that we have that 5563, whereas if we jumped on it, we probably could have gotten Alex Emsel directly. But Alex. Knock, knock. Who's there? Alex Emsel. Alex Emsel who? Alex Emsel 5563. Uh, Alex, I, I, I am eternally bothered by the fact that we could we could have had straight up Alex Emsel and instead end up with numbers at the end. But Alex doesn't care and just makes fun of me for caring. Anyway, we are done. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for another Curmudgeon's Corner. If you've made it through to the end and are tolerating my dog barking, then, you know, hey, thanks. Because I know a bunch of you probably left, a bunch of people probably left right at the beginning. But for those of you who stay, I know you are loyal and love the show. Uh, so you already know that you can find us at curmudgeons-corner.com where you can find Facebook, email, Mastodon, not Twitter anymore, ways to get in touch with us. You can find our archives all the way back to the beginning of this podcast, but not including the college version because I still haven't found the tapes of that. And what else? Um, oh, yeah, you can find a link to our Patreon if you want to give us cash money to help with the expenses of the show. Uh, we are, this is a negative revenue show. Every week it costs us more money than we get for it. Yes. It's it's a labor of love, not of getting money. Yes, it does. How much do you spend to make each podcast? Uh, I'd have to calculate it, but are like. Are you making them for free just like the other month? Well, no, I mean, you, we, we pay a monthly fee. For the Zencaster that we're using to record it's it, a different we we play we pay a monthly fee for the other software I use to post process it. We pay is it different? We pay process. hosting for the website that it's on, although that's shared with my other projects. Anyway, you can give us money on Patreon if you want to help with all that. And at various levels, we'll get, we'll mention you on the show. We'll send you a postcard. We'll send you a mug. All of that kind of stuff. And very importantly, at two dollars a month or more. Or if you just contact us in any of those other ways and ask nicely, we will invite you to our Commodians Corner Slack where Yvonne and I and other people that listen to the show uh, hang out and share links and talk about things and, uh, you know, just go on about stuff throughout the week. So, Alex, can you tell me one thing that was talked about on the Commodians Corner Slack this week that we have not talked about on the show? He's thinking. He's opening up the slack, which he has not looked at this week, but he is on. How do you know what I was doing? I have the brain the size of an amoeba. Of an amoeba. Um, um, yes. Hmm. <laughs> Do 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 
Do do do do do do do do do do. Yes. About Alex Emsla. With the, nothing about Alex Emsla has happened in the last week. Are you sure? Check your Slack. Oh no! Just now, <laughs> Alex added a comment just now about Alex Emsla. So, okay, so that's it. Hey, thanks everybody for joining us, and we will be back next week, probably with Yvonne. So, and again, if I didn't say it at the beginning, I think I said it was his birthday. Happy birthday, Yvonne! I uh, hope you had a good one. And uh, hey, we'll be back next week talking about whatever exciting news is going on. Thank you all. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Alex. Goodbye, Alex. was not on my headphones that was supposed to be on my headphones but it just played out of my computer but oh well it is what it is um and it doesn't matter for those of you listening so why am i even mentioning it i don't know but i think we have dinner coming up soon so we're out of here bye 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 bye, bye.